You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I am your host, Dan Johnson. And uh, today we have a gentleman named David Hahn. And he is an engineer at Trophy Ridge. And we're going to talk about sites. We're going to talk about rests. And uh, I think we spend a lot of time talking about the, the React technology um, behind some of their React sites. So it's pretty interesting. And I think you guys are, are going to like it. Um, I don't even want to talk, you know, get into detail about what we talk about because uh, David's going to do a better job than I. But I also want to say real quick that the winner of the Vortex Optics is Dan D. Meester. Dan D. Meester. So uh, you have basically 48 hours to get a hold of me, uh, and you can message me through Facebook or email me at ninefingerchronicles at gmail.com and uh, give me your address and I'll mail you the Vortex Optics that you won. But now it's time to talk about sights and rests from Trophy Ridge. So I hope you guys enjoy. On the phone with me now is David Hahn. How's it going today, David? It's going good, man. It's almost Friday. That's a fact. That is a fact. Now, before, you know, I do this with every, every podcast uh, that I do when I have a, a company on, I always ask the person, how did your season go for 2015? How did your hunting season go? Uh, not near as good as 2014, but, uh, I mean, I was able to get a doe. And then uh, I have two boys also that enjoy hunting, so I end up guiding as much as I do hunting. So the, my youngest boy got his two nicest deer with a muzzle loader, actually, but it's still a pretty good rush to see your son get a deer. Yeah, I'm look. I'm definitely looking forward to that uh, that time in my life where I can sit in a stand with my my son and daughter. Yep, it's uh, you remember those a lot better than you do yours. Nice. Well, by kicking things off here, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what you do? Or what's your job title and what you actually do at Trophy Ridge? I'm a design engineer. Uh, I hired on in the fall of 2011. Um, my background was in target archery years and years ago, and I've bow hunted now for 27 years. Uh, so it was a real nice find. Uh, now I get to play at my job every day. Um, being a design engineer for Bear Archery and Trophy Ridge, uh, working on sites and bows, depending on what the supervisors decide we need to work on. Um, I've spent a lot of time on React sites over the last four and a half years. So that's primarily what I've worked on, actually. Okay. Uh, and then why don't you give us, uh, as much as you know, a little bit of company history about Trophy Ridge. Trophy Ridge was actually uh, Chris Rager started Trophy Ridge and then Escalade Sports, which is the parent company for 
uh, Bear and Trophy Ridge purchased Trophy Ridge in 2007. So it's been under Escalade's control since 2007. Gotcha. All right. So you're a design engineer. And I think what we'll do is we'll just get right into a little bit about what you do and maybe the round table, I always say, the round table of the guys who come up with the, uh, the products. When you start designing the next Trophy Ridge site, what, what kind of topics are discussed? What are, what are some of the categories that you guys uh, talk about when it's time to you know, ultimately build this next, this next product? Uh, we have product managers here at uh, Trophy Ridge. There's a Trophy Ridge product manager, Jacob Thomason, and he usually outlines something that he's looking for, either by doing, you know, market analysis compared to our competitors, of course, or something that we all do on our own and decide, hey, we ought to make that the next uh, project for Trophy Ridge. But uh, Mainly, it's outlined by Jacob, and then, of course, if, if one of us on the roundtable, as you say, has a great idea, they'll listen, um, but that's how it starts. Of course, we talk about one-pin slider or multi-pin, you know, five-pin, seven-pin, three-pin, where we want to fall on price points, um, where, you know, of course, in the React technology, that's a different animal, but, um, you know, when that was developed, um, it was outlined pretty well that you know, the 20 yard pin would be fixed and then you turn one knob, toolless design, and all the other four pins would move mathematically into position. Is that a, and while we're on the subject of the React site, is that a patent uh, technology that Trophy Ridge came out with? Definitely. Um, Trophy Ridge has a patent on that technology and uh, it was developed when I was here, but I, I really can't take credit for coming up with the original design concept, but uh, we definitely perfected it since I've worked here. Is, is that something that marketing, your marketing guy brought to the table and said, hey, it would be really nice if we could build that? Or was that an engineer saying, hey, I got a good idea? There was an engineer before us that uh, basically the idea was born and then we took it from there okay why don't you explain into de as, as much detail as you can about how this react site works okay well like the original react five pin site um, the way it works is you sight in the 20 yard pin really good then, honestly, it doesn't matter which pin you shoot next. You could shoot your 60, you could shoot your 50, 40, and 30. We advertise and tell everybody to shoot your 30 because that's just the next obvious distance. Um, mathematically, it uses the arrow drop from, say, 20 to 30 to predict what the arrow drop would be from 20 to 60 and 20 to 50 and 20 to 40. So I always tell people the best way to sight in a React site is to definitely sight in the 20-yard pin really good. Don't skimp on that because all of the math is based off of the 20-yard pin. After that, shoot the 30-yard pin close, and then honestly, you'll get the best sighted in sight if you back up then to something a little farther where you're comfortable, say 40 or 50 or 60. Okay. So... Part of this equation has to do with arrow weight and arrow speed, and you know, depending on those things is going to depend on how you adjust your that site. Mm -hmm. What, how, how are you guys taking into consideration the that an arrow different arrows may lose different speed over different distances, or is that like a mathematical equation that it is consistent over all? all ranges it definitely each setup i'll call it arrow setup would have a different coefficient of drag no doubt about it but that's kind of what's cool about this is the projectile motion equations and once you know the drag coefficient from 20 to 30 you can use that to predict what it will do 20 to 60 and all the other pins of course as well 
Man, that's... Basically, the React technology is taking two data points and applying it to the rest of the data points on however many pins the site it has. You know, we have a React 7, and then we also have uh, the single pin movers where you're talking nine pins. Okay. Or gotcha. nine indicators, I should say, because it's a, a mechanical scale. And I don't know, you know, I know it's it's a patented technology, so it's fairly safe. How how does that work? Is there a swivel inside there? Is there a screw with different like gaps between the distances between the threads? How's that work? Well, on all of the React sites, other than say the vertical React sites, it has a component inside there that has mechanical tracks that force the pins to go where they need to go. So each track is custom for that site. Gotcha. So what's the difference between, let's say, the the multi a multi-pin React site and I see I'm looking at the React Trio and it has mm -hmm. three pins but it also has a knob on it that you twist to to go higher or lower as far as distances are are concerned. What what's the difference in that technology? Well, the React Trio is is definitely the odd duck in the React line. Um, to explain it the best, you probably would start with the React One, which is on the exact same platform. And the React One is just that a one pin site vertical slider site you slide it all the way to the top of its travel in the vertical linear motion there and then slide it in at 20 yards on because the pin is fixed in the hood then using the knob clear on the back if you're looking at the picture you index it down and basically guess on your 30. once your 30 is hitting dead on you turn the knob on the top of the react technology and it moves the indicators mathematically once you line the 30-yard indicator up with the where your um, pin indicator is on the site then you've got your pin gap set from 20 to 100 yards that's the primary difference between like that one pin react one versus a react five now to take that over to the trio platform it's a three-pin head, hence the name Trio, and the, ver the vertical pin in the bottom is fixed in the hood. So what you do is you run the linear motion of that site all the way to the top, and you actually, the reason I call this an odd duck site, you actually start at 40 yards with that pin. You sight it in at 40 yards. Once again, you index the whole thing down on the master knob in the back with the, the gear drive, and sight it in at 50 yards then, turn the React technology to line the indicator up with this pointer, and you're sighted in from 40 out to 120. Now what makes this site really unique then is you run it all the way back up to the top, and you manually sight in a 20-yard pin and a 30-yard pin just like you would on any other pin site. And what that allows the hunter to do is set in the tree stand, sight it in at 20, 30, and 40 yards without touching his sight and then if he chooses to, wants to shoot a longer shot, he can dial using the bottom pin, his master pin, out to 120 yards. So that that's the main difference on that side. Gotcha. You know, I had uh, – I it wasn't a trophy ridge, and this is just my preference, but um, I, I had – I used to shoot a one pin that you would have to adjust in the tree depending on where the deer came through. And – I found myself either forgetting to do it or or not doing it to the right because I was so excited. So I ended up ultimately switching back to a multi-pin site. Right, right. And that that right there is, I mean, the trio is the, the go-between. It, it kind of bridges that gap um, for the hunters that want the mover technology, want the mover capability, but they don't want to have to think too hard if they're sitting there and the deer's inside 40 yards. Gotcha. Yep. So while you guys were designing and perfecting 
this React technology. How long did it take from, I guess, the the idea to the the actual product launch? Yeah, um, it was actually my first project in October of 2011, and we released it to the public in September of 2012. Now, I really think there were some back orders at first, and it wasn't, you know, it didn't hit full force, but uh, that kind of gives you the time frame there, a little over a year. And uh, that's pretty typical of our product cycle anyway, as as far as engineering goes, unless it's a really, really, really big project. They want us to get it done in a year because we, you know, we send that out at the sales meeting at the end of September every year. Right. And that's, uh, that's it amazes me how fast some of this technology can be thought of and launched. Yeah, I mean, it, it, were you guys working? Were you guys working forty-hour weeks, or were you guys working eighty-hour weeks? No, no, it was probably you know forty, you know low forties, mid forties. Um, but it was you know really cyclical. I mean, it would, of course, it starts on the drawing board, or in this RK SolidWorks, um, and then concepts and concepts and three D printing really helps speed up the process on initial prototypes instead of hard tooling or hard prototypes. And then uh, once we get hard prototypes in, there's always bugs to be worked out. But uh, we obviously got it done, and then we're, we're even faster now because we have our own 3D printer. So we can uh, we can make our prototypes, print them tonight, and, and mess with 3D printed prototypes tomorrow. What What is this? What are the, the what are the sites made out of? Are they stamped? Are they machined? Are they aluminum steel? What are they? Uh, our top of the line, all the Pro Series sites are, would be 6061 aluminum. Um, we also would have some of our ballistics copolymer uh, sites, and like the original React was a ballistics copolymer site, um, the same as our Cypher series. Um, we don't have any stampings in any of the sites. Uh, we one of our series of sites, the Hitman sites, we use uh, it's cast aluminum. So that's the three main components we use. Yeah, yeah. All right. So now that there's this React technology, and it's you know the idea of it is to make sighting in your bow way easier than having to because I, I remember having to well, the very first bow I got I had a sight and I remember having to have this allen wrench with five or six different pins and adjust every one and it took forever like it was a multi-day task to set all my pins right, and now, now you right. can do it in like 20 minutes yeah yeah that uh like you were saying that's frustrating and I man I need to move this 30,000 or 20,000s and then right. oh crap I moved it 60. <laughs> it was a lot of trial and error and that's exactly what it is and I tell you what once once you're around the react sites any of them you don't want to go back to the the old way of adjusting each pin it's just where humans are inherently lazy and uh, I really enjoy sighting in a react site versus old school right which brings me to my next question you guys have a variety of sites that do not have the React technology. This, I, I have a feeling that this technology, this React technology, is very popular. Why the need for these other sites that are more manual? I mean, the the original React site, five pin ballistics copolymer site, sells for about one hundred and forty nine dollars. So. There's always going to be people in price points where they, they just can't afford that or, or don't know what they're missing in a lot of cases. So we have to provide the price points, you know, where other people want to buy sides. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's truly the React. I mean, are some of your lower price point um, sites that are, are they are they made out of aluminum similar to the uh, – similar to the React series. So is it just the React technology that is, is upping the price of these? 
it's definitely a lot of it for sure the development and then the components inside to make to make five pins or in the case of the rec five i guess four pins move perfect with respect to each other they move good on a toolless knob but then they uh, are solid once they're set and that of course is the trickiest thing in all engineering to make something move but yet it's still tight so that's that's definitely what you're paying for was that a was that a an issue that you guys had to overcome when when uh, designing this? Definitely, definitely. And some of the original uh, prototypes, they would move properly, but the pins would rattle really bad, and uh, uh, it was uh, touch and go for a while. And oh crap, how am I going to get this thing to to shut up? You know, because of the rattle and the moving, and and I. It's kind of like engineering in a lot of ways. Um, I'll, I'll guess I'll say I tripped over it as far as uh, I figured out a way to, to where I could keep the pins tight but still move where I needed them to move. And we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. So going going back to the the round table, so to speak, and you guys are sitting there, you're discussing of what the next product is, is going to be. What kind of complaints, you know, in order to make yourself better, you have to, you know, accept that you have flaws. What kind of complaints are you getting from customers, and how have you guys been able to overcome those complaints? In the sites, um, I mean, there's everybody will find something if there's something wrong. Uh, one of the complaints we had on some of the React ballistic school polymer sites where some of the components were breaking um, like the windage block so our customer service is is top-notch and if anybody out there has trouble definitely give customer service a call and if they can't help you they will get with one of us that can help you um, but you know everybody out there all the different setups on a site that's one of the toughest things is deciding how high the site needs to go or how low the site needs to go or how far out or how far in on all the different configurations of bows that you have out there. Um, so since I've been here, we've started writing a spec and keeping track of that spec for what we expect our sites to do um, on their capability. And since we've done that, that has helped a lot from the design standpoint. Um, another complaint you know, we'll get complaints once about fibers rattling, um, you know, and we address those with, you know, tubes on fibers. And there's always ways to design around uh, trying to fix a complaint. But uh, honestly, we don't have a lot of complaints. So that part of it's pretty easy. Well, that's uh, always good to hear from a, from a business standpoint, not a lot of complaints. No. So... We have. I want to talk about pin orientation for for a little bit and the difference. What's the difference? So, you know, I know my pins are in a straight line in my site. What is the difference between a, a horizontal setup and a vertical setup? Okay, a horizontal setup is was probably what I would call more traditional. It's what everybody probably started with, or most people started with. The pins come horizontal to the center of the the housing or the hood from where they are uh, fixed to the pin guard. The vertical line technology is something that when when Escalade bought Trophy Ridge, that was kind of what made Trophy Ridge special. And so now, of course, we had vertical line vertical sites, manual sites for years, and just last year we were able to put the vertical um, the React technology in the vertical pin sites. That's the React V5. There's also a non-React vertical pin for the guys that still want to do it manually, and it's called the Peak. And the vertical pins, like you were saying, they come straight up from the bottom. They're in a perfect line from top to bottom. So there's nothing coming in from side to side. The guys that like vertical sites, they love them. The guys that don't, don't, but it's just something we can offer our customers that other people can't. Is there is there any specific reasoning why these you know 
when I look at a site, I go, you know, I guess why why does it matter? Um, why why does it matter? And, and I guess what are some of your customers saying? I guess why they like one style of pin setup over another? Yeah, it's definitely a field of view um, preference. I personally am not a vertical guy, um, but on the field of view on a horizontal pin, you know, when you're aiming at a deer or a dot or anything, of course you can't see to the right, if you're right-handed, you can't see to the right side of the pin because that's where the, you know, the fiber optic comes out and makes the head of the pin and then the pin is blocking what you're trying to see to the right of your aim point. Right. On a vertical pin site, it's blocking in the case of like, the 20 yard pin, the only spot it's blocking is under your aim point. On the 30, 40, and 50, and 60, it's blocking a little vision above and below that vertical series of pins, but then left to right is wide open. So the guys that like vertical technology, they are the guys that will tell you they come right up the leg line of an animal when they're hunting. That's the the most common statement I've heard with the guys that like the vertical technology pins. Okay. And then any comment about what why people like single pin technology? Uh, yeah, keep it simple, stupid. I think would be <laughs> one 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 major thing that you know a lot of people do with the with the single pins. You're your old swivel pins, like our, our pursuit site and our drive site would be that way as well. I mean, they had the capability to be moved, but I bet most people don't um, in a hunting situation. And I think it's the people that have got on the wrong pin in a, in a pressure situation before and missed a deer high or low because they used the wrong pin. And they thought, never again, I'm going to use one pin and I can't mess that up, at least if I got it set right. Yeah. That makes makes a lot of sense. Now, I want to get into the the fiber optics just a, a mm -hmm. little bit. Is there what? Why is that important? And I mean, I guess I, I guess I really don't know what question quite to ask. But is there certain types of fiber optic cable that might be higher quality that allow more light? to go into each pin or is there a point where hey wait that's too much light and it starts maybe making the edge of the um the pin fuzzy meaning you may not be exactly where you want to be on on the target yeah i i think the fiber optics uh that we everybody uses in our industry are very very close to being the same thing um the way a fiber optic is usually mounted in our stuff is you actually lens the end of the fiber optic with a lighter or a heat source. Um, a lot of the most common fiber optic out there is 19 thousandths, and that is what it is before it's lensed. And I would say that's probably what a lot of people don't realize is 19 thousandths fiber, but once you lens it, it kind of swells out or mushrooms out, and it probably ends up more around 35 thousandths as your aim point. Um, back on your question about too bright or not bright enough, I mean, we put them in clear, most of our high-end sites have clear fiber covers, and you're trying to leave that fiber exposed to whatever ambient light is available, you know, for a hunting situation. And then, of course, we put uh, sight lights on it if you really need to turn them on and, and uh, really brighten that pin up. But uh, the truth is our sites with the clear covers and the amount of fiber we have exposed to ambient light, my experience is if uh, if you need the light on, you're probably not legal anyway. On yeah. A half hour after sunset, um, you know, we we offer two fiber sizes primarily, nineteen thousandths and uh, ten thousandths for the guys that still got really really good eyes, or are trying to shoot you know great distances. Because then once again, it's the same thing. It's a ten thousandths fiber optic. But then it lenses out and grows to say a twenty thousand same point. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I want to get into a couple scenarios here, and you know, 
I guess we'll leave price point out of it, and we'll kind of break it down by React technology and non-React technology. And um, I'm going to kind of ask some questions as opposed to what style of hunter you may be, and then maybe you can provide me with and, – and I know a lot of it has to do with personal preference, but maybe you can provide me with um, – uh, the best site that you that maybe you recommend for that particular hunt hunter. Uh, so maybe we'll start off with just a regular tree stand hunter hunts in timber. Um, maybe the furthest they're going to shoot in this timber or field edge is maybe forty, maybe fifty yards. Mm -hmm. uh, leaving price points out of it, um, it would be, in my opinion, impossible to beat the React Pro. If you are a horizontal pin guy under that scenario, because you have 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 sided in, you're sitting there ready, you don't have to move anything. The same argument would be for the, the React V5. If you're a vertical guy, it's a five pin site with the React technology, and you're sitting there, and you're totally ready and lethal out to 60 yards if, if you're a good shooter. Um, those would be my picks on for that scenario. That or even the <laughs> that's a tough question, man. The trio is tough too because the trio site would let you, you said max shot 50 yards, right? So you're sitting there with a 20, 30, and 40 yard pin, and you could probably compensate enough to make a 50 yard shot without moving anything. Okay. Now, what about non react technology? Non react technology, I mean, now you're into our Cypher Series 5-pin site um, or the Hitman Series. is a 5-pin site would, would be great for that, out to 60 yards. We also have 3-pin sites. I mean, some guys don't even site their pins in it. You know, traditionally speaking, everybody sites in 10, 20, or sorry, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 on a 5-pin site. But, uh, I, I mean, I've known people that site in 20, 35, 50 on a 3-pin site because they didn't like how close their pins were together. And that would cover the bases that you were talking there. But the Cypher series, the Hitman series, and uh, definitely even like the Volt 5-pin site is one heck of a site for a $50 price point. It's got a light. It's got uh, four four fibers. And, I mean, it would be a darn good site for that application. Okay. Now let's move out to maybe – a western hunt or a plains hunt where you you know you may have to take uh, a 70 a 70 yard shot maybe even further if you if you're confident in it but uh, any anywhere from you know 20 to 70 yards yeah that that definitely you get right in the wheelhouse of uh the react one pro which was new this year um it's a friction drive one pin site that will go from 20 to 100 yards. Um, you would also be in the perfect for the original React One site, which is also a 20 to 100 yards one pin site. Um, and, and once again, that, that trio site, you could be stalking the whole time with it set where you're good out to 45 or so, and then uh, if you need to dial it, you can dial it. So those would definitely be probably my choice if I was if I was walking around out there okay and then let's see for the non-react technology for a western hunt you could go with uh, like the, we were talking earlier the pursuit site is a swivel style single pin site we also have a drive site which it's a single pin and it moves on an arc and you could mark each distance, so you'd have a mark for 20 through 100 or as far as you can move it out there. So uh, that would be definitely the site. That one or the clutch site, which is a friction drive site, one pin site as well. Um, it would be, it comes with a sight tape kit, so you could sight it in at a couple distances and then slap a sight tape on it and be good out to 100 as well. Perfect. Perfect. So every, you know, we pretty much covered everything as, as far as sites are concerned. Is there, what, I know that this React technology makes things a little easier, but what are some common mistakes 
that people make when they either with the react site or you know sighting in their bow in general i'd say on the react site probably the most common mistake would be not spending enough time at 20 yards because if if you have the 20 yard pin hitting a couple inches high or low then realistically the math just doesn't work because it needs to be set on 20. Um, so definitely take a little extra time to make sure your 20 is perfect and that helps that. Uh, as far as common mistakes on the other, boy, I don't know. Uh, I mean, most of our sites have, yesterday I actually got a call, like I was telling you before, if, if customer service can't help, you know, somebody else will help. And, and this actually comes straight from our, another product manager, but uh, a guy was having trouble getting his 20-yard pin low enough on a React Pro. And the 20-yard pin on the React Pro side is fixed in the hood, so that's, of course, a big problem. But he didn't realize that you could flip the bracket a full 180 and really, you gain like another inch of adjustment down. So once I told him that, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's not going to be a problem at all. So uh, having somebody that can help you if, if you're not mechanically inclined to get uh, to get your sight on the bow securely and then help you make massive adjustments like that that require taking the sight partially apart um, would probably be one way to save some mistakes. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I think that uh, that covers just about everything on as far as the sites are concerned. Um, I think, you know, Trophy Ridge also makes uh, a handful of arrow rests as well. And uh, infamously, the, the whisker biscuit. Now, my first question to you is... There are people out there who think the the whisker biscuit is kind of uh, I don't want to maybe a second class product if that makes sense and th you know they would never put it on their bow because they they feel it does something that is going to affect their accuracy or affect their shot somehow. Is there anything that you can say that says you're wrong and maybe defend the whisker biscuit? Uh I can agree with them. I mean, I've been in this archery, not in the business, but I've been a hunter for a long time. When I first saw it, I thought the exact same thing. I honestly did not even give it a chance until I came to work here in 2011. I used a revolution site for two years, or site, <laughs> revolution rest for two years, and then thought, you know, I ought to try a whisker biscuit I never have on my personal hunting bow. Once I did, I've used a whisker biscuit ever since. And uh, that's just a personal testament. Uh, it's so simple and so reliable. I, I can't stress enough how it's just a perfect hunting rest. And ex explain why it's perfect. Well, it really, there's no... There's no detriment to using it. Um, I mean, some people will claim that, oh, you lose five feet per second or 10 feet per second. About the most we've ever seen is a couple feet, and that's with a bigger fletch. Um, boy, it's never going to hang up. It's never going to, you know, you can lay your bow sideways. You can turn your bow upside down. Um, and I've shot them out to 80 yards, and, and they shoot way, way better than I do. Uh, there's kind of a famous Whisker Biscuit video that Pigman did out to 100 yards. And uh, I can tell you, he, he can shoot pretty darn good. And you, a Whisker Biscuit will not hurt your accuracy. Gotcha. And, I mean, from, you know, f compared to maybe one of your other HX sites, is is it, easier to install is it easier to to use and adjust if needed uh they would adjust about the same as far as on you know a horizontal and a vertical dovetail if that was built into the design but as far as easier to install yes because you're not you don't have to tie a string to the limb or tie a string to the down cable um you slap a whisker biscuit on and go paper tune it and you're ready to go um it's 
it's our go-to rest in the lab here at Bear Archery. It's we just use them for everything. Right. Every every time I go to test out a new bow, a whisker biscuit is on the the floor model. So it must you know it there must be something right with it to yeah. to uh, now my question is how long. How many shots? I don't know if have you guys tested this until some of that, I guess, those whiskers get worn out. Yeah, I mean, we sell replacement biscuits. Um, it that's such a loaded question because it, it really depends. If somebody say they just slap a rest on and they have horrible form and their arrows fly really bad, I mean, they're going to beat up a biscuit bristle a lot faster than someone who actually tunes their bow and gets it shooting good through paper, um, you'll wear, you'll see little spots where the fleshing or cutting through the biscuits, but I don't shoot a ton, honestly, but I have not wore one out either. Would you, re- I don't would, would you recommend, ahead. would you recommend a whisker biscuit? Cause I, I think I look at it and I, for some reason, my brain says brand new hunter or brand new to archery. Is this is this a rest that someone who is getting introduced into archery might might want to consider? Oh, it's it's the perfect starter rest because you can't the arrow is not going to fall off of it. It's not going to you know it's full contain. It's it is no doubt about it a perfect starter rest. Um, I mean I think you said in the beginning can I recommend it or what I. Uh, my dad was a naysayer, <laughs> and when I put one on his bow and then he shot it some, he's like, oh, well, I guess it's all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if dad approves of it, um, usually it's okay. Got to be good, right? So what is the what is that made of? Is that, is the, is, are those little whiskers plastic? What are they? You actually got me there. That's something, of course, we bought in 2006, and the bristles themselves, um, we haven't changed or worked with. Um, I can tell you the black section, one mistake that some people will do is uh, the black section of bristles in the bottom of a biscuit are much, much stiffer bristles than the brown bristles. So I would say if you have somebody having trouble with arrow flight on a biscuit, and everything else for sure is right, just make darn sure that they're shooting cock vein up or at least cock vein orientated to where the bottom two veins are straddling the the stiff black bristles on the biscuit. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Is is this your guys' most popular rest that you sell, one of the versions of it? I... I gotta believe so. I mean, I'm in engineering. I don't see those numbers, uh, but yeah, it has to be the the number one hunting rest we sell. Okay. And now I want to get into the the drop away rest. And my first question is: all the other drop away rests. I'm not saying all of them, but the ones that I've used in the past all go away. From the arrow, so th- they don't drop straight down like the mm-hmm. HX series does. They go away from the, they go with the arrow away, if that makes sense. So, right. is there a benefit to going straight down, having the the rest fall straight down as opposed to away? I would say definitely straight down. I mean, you're going perfectly 90 degrees with respect to the arrow getting away from the arrow which you're trying not to hit of course while it's leaving the bow Um, all the ones that rotate away down away I mean I I can't say they're bad rests because they're not but as they're rotating down they're they're swinging an arc about the shaft of their rest and when they're swinging that arc there's more motion that's not going straight away from the arrow Okay. So I guess the next question is, is everybody always tries to brag about how fast their drop away rest is and that it doesn't bounce back up. And when it drops, it stays and there's no, um, I guess, energy left in it. How is, how is the speed or the drop away of your, of, of these HX 
rests. The the HX itself is ran on a on down cable. Um, it supports the arrow a little bit longer than a lot of them. And then the, the HXL being a limb driven rest, it definitely you, you shouldn't say it, the goal of a drop away rest isn't necessarily to clear the fastest. Um, the best drop away rest actually stays on the arrow. Uh, the perfect scenario would be to just barely miss the fletch because you supported the arrow for a longer period of its travel forward and then got the heck out of the way so the fletch cleared the rest. And that's the beauty of the limb-driven HXL. And and explain how that happens. So you have a, a, a cord-driven or a um, – oh, a, a, Gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? You have a string-driven, and then you also have a limb-driven system. Is that correct? Correct. What's, um, explain the difference there. The the cable-driven or down-cable-driven HX, uh, our old revolution, QAD, um, they all tie onto the, the down cable. And when you come to full draw, the down cable comes down, translates down, and it cocks the rest, if you will. Okay, and it, it, I mean, it was already in a in an up position, but it puts it in a cocked position, and then upon firing internally the mechanism, there's what we call a dog, but there's a, a part in there that when it goes forward fast enough, because when the bow immediately fires fast, that dog won't catch; it'll clear and the rest drops, or in the case of the Revolution, spins. Um. That system is obviously activated by the down cable. The HXL limb-driven system, like you said, there's a cord tied to the bottom limb. And what the way you set that up is, is you don't tie it to the limb, and the rest is spring-biased um, up. So you set your center shot and your up and down with your with your rest up and the rest is being held up by the spring then once you're done with that you actually tie the rest to the bottom limb in the down position so then when you load an arrow with an hxl or any limb driven rest that i'm aware of the arrow actually usually sits on like a little pad or something on the shelf of the bow but then when you come to full draw the limbs bend and the limb the bottom limb in this case comes up and it lets that String, you know, it gives it distance up, it translates up, and the spring-loaded rest picks the arrow up to the center shot position. So then once you shoot, when the limbs recoil down and away, it pulls the rest out of the way. I got you. So is there is there a benefit to one or the other? I mean, is, is one type of technology better than the other? Or the, is it, the agent, again... The, the HXL, the limb-driven style, is a whole lot easier to set up. You, it's it's pretty much stupid-proof. Um, you tie it all the way down, you're done. You can tie in an HX and any cable-driven activated um, rest. You, if you tie it in too tight, it, it delays the, the firing mechanism. If you don't tie it in tight enough, it doesn't achieve full cocking position, and then it doesn't clear. So definitely the HXL is a little bit easier to set up, but they'll both get the job done. Got you. Is that a is is there any mistakes that people commonly make when they're setting up their their rests? Uh, kind of like what I was talking about before on on the down cable rests. Um, lots of times people I think will time in. I mean we we send instructions with them, but uh, they'll tie in the down cable too high. And instead of pulling down on the uh, mechanism, you end up pulling kind of back. And that doesn't do as well on the rest as when you're pulling down. That's one of the common mistakes on a down cable driven rest that we sell. Oh, yeah. um, I don't really have a common mistake on the HXL. It was new this year as well. So. Okay. Well, I know that uh, Trophy Ridge also makes quivers and stabilizers, but I think we're going to save that for for another show if you know if people are interested in finding more information about trophy ridge where should we send them uh, 
send them to the website. I mean, that's uh, the best place to start. TrophyRidge.com. Yep. Well, I tell you what, David, I really appreciate you coming on the show, taking time to talk with us today. And uh, as always, we got an education um, about, you know, sites and rests and how some of that, uh, that new React technology works. Uh, so thanks again. Hey, no problem. It was, uh, it went easier than I thought it might. One podcast down, infinity more to go. Hopefully you guys uh, found this podcast interesting. I loved it. Um, especially that react technology. Uh, it just blows my mind how someone can come up with that. Anyway, uh, trophy Ridge has decided to take part in this week's giveaway and they're going to give away a react V five site and I'll pick the winner probably this Friday or next Monday in association with another uh, podcast that we do. So uh, make sure you guys are listening for all those updates. Uh, and here's how to win that uh, react V five site. You have to go to the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page. You have to share the post that mentions this podcast. You have to go to follow that link to the ninefingerchronicles.com backslash podcast and find the uh, the podcast that mentions this, you know, the, the Trophy Ridge one. And then ha- comment hashtag Trophy Ridge. Then go to the Trophy Ridge Facebook page and enter nine fingers sent me here and uh that's a that's a pretty easy way pretty easy you know a couple of steps to do should take 30 seconds to do all three of those things and uh, you could win uh, a pretty cool site from trophy ridge the react v5 so i want to first of all again thanks everybody who tunes into this, I absolutely am blown away by the response that I'm getting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, also, if you haven't already make sure you are subscribing on stitcher or iTunes. Um, I would love it if you guys would leave a review on iTunes. Uh, so far I think I've got 29 or 30 five star reviews. Let's make it 40. And, uh, you know, the more, the more I, I get out there, the more content I can bring to you guys. So, uh, you know, there's that. Now, make sure you're going to Facebook. Make sure you're going to Instagram. Um, I just posted a whole bunch of pictures of uh, my shed hunt this Sunday. Went out for about two hours and found three sheds. And um, one shed is pretty important to me. It matches up um, a shed to a shed that I found last year to a buck I called Ryan Iberg and I've been chasing him for like three or four years now four or four or five years now so uh, who knows where the ending to that story is going to be but as always have a great week and wear your damn safety harness.